welcome to episode four of Keep the Hotel Empty. I'm your host, Eric Paul. In studio today, we are grateful to welcome in members of the genre-bending progressive metal band, Fiends. In today's episode, they discuss reforming after COVID, all the lessons they've learned, and expound on their new album, Insolent Noise. Please enjoy. Welcome to Keep the Hotel Empty. Today we've kept the hotel empty to welcome in Brandon and James from the fantastically heavy and beautifully brutal progressive metal band Fiends. Welcome, gentlemen. Really good to be here. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, man. So, I know you got a new record coming out. I know you got some shows you're going to be doing. I know there's a lot happening in the world of Fiends right now, and I definitely want to get to hearing all about that. But for the people that are unfamiliar with you, can you take us back to when your hiatus kind of ends, who coming out of the COVID and weird time for everybody, and where you're at now begins. You want me to go start, start with that? Start with um, we, we, we were live on Instagram earlier and we were, we were talking about something similar with our, with our, with our uh, we call them fiends. We call our fans fiends. Awesome. So um, we're all fiends. But uh, I think pandemic was a really important time for not only us as musicians, but for a lot of people. Um, really gave us a chance to figure out what we wanted to do in life, what we didn't want to do in life. And, you know, coming out of a time where we had everything stripped away from us and, you know, the world seemed like a very different place for a lot of artists. It seemed like, you know, things were never going to be the same again. That being said, during that time, I think it was very inspiring for us as artists. Um, We were able to channel a lot of different emotions, new emotions, and, you know, put them into music. And I think the pandemic actually gave Fiends a chance to grow in the sense that people were streaming, streams went up like crazy during the pandemic. People yeah. weren't able to do anything. So we saw Keep Me In The Dark explode during the pandemic. Crazy. Which is really cool because the song, you know, and what the song is about, uh, Keep Me In The Dark, I Will Find My Way Out. It's a very um, self-deprecating yet inspiring. Very empowering, very true. Yeah. Especially true to like the reality of the world at the time. I think we all kind of felt like we were in the dark. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. So I, it's cool that you know our message was able to shine through during that time, and people picked up on it, and the Spotify algorithm picked it up, and it it was really tough before that to know where and what Fiends was going to do. But we never really stopped writing music for Fiends. Um, we found our way back into rehearsals, and we started opening up some demos. We had songs written from After Me Time. Oh, okay. That we started digging into some more. Um, Teleprompter Dreams is one that's on the upcoming album. Yeah. Um, also, Soft Light, that was another one that was written pretty early on. We Yeah, when we started uh, like writing again for this record, we were digging into old demos on his computer and stuff. And it was stuff that was written like five years ago. 2018, 2019. Yeah, yeah. Like stuff that was already in the bag. And we were like, oh, this is sick. Let's just pick up from here. And it was kind of, I mean, looking back now, it was... Um, a pretty easy transition to go into the new record, but it was like a year and a half of yeah. like rekindling friendships. Getting- yeah, that's the thing. You were inactive for how long? Mm-hmm. Twenty, I think. Like, so just a couple years, like two years, two, so- yeah. two solid years, two, of, two, of, two years of finding ourselves and finding you know, ourselves yeah. for sure. So was the the um, rekindling of some of the older singles on Spotify what made you think hey we're going to do this again or was that always the case and that was just the timing catalyst you brought everybody back together yeah he reached out and was like yo you know long story short like one life bro like we have a thing right let's do it like let's do it now like this is our shot you know and it'd be such a freaking waste to you know not put your all into it you yeah, know. and this new material definitely reeks of that. Thank you. So when you start rehearsing again, you start writing again, you're digging through the old stuff, and that's yeah. starting to feel familiar right away? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, second nature for sure. So at that point, are you thinking, okay, we're definitely going to do another record, we're back together again? Was it feeling it out, or was it pretty much, we're going right out of the gate, it felt good right away? It felt really good right, right, right. <laughs> Yeah, straight up. We played, I remember playing like our first rehearsal back and we were like, so let's just run through the shit that we have. Right. Yeah. And we were just like, yo, this is, that was fun. This, this is nice. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, during, during that, during that period of time, I, I, I tested myself in other ways during the hiatus. I, I went, I went to the back of school. I was, I was 
um, entering into a nursing program. I got my ANPs, like the anatomy and physiology zone, and just I was never a great student in 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 those sorts of classes. But I, I took the time to sort of prove to myself that I had grit and that you know I could go and do it and complete it. And I managed to pass those classes, so that was really cool. But um, I found myself chasing a. I guess uh, stability over like what I really wanted to do. You know, right. it, it seems like advantageous to like, you know f- find yourself wanting stability in life through through job security, financial security, all that. Yeah. And I, you know, I've always I've come I come from a hospitality background. I've I, I like connecting with people. I like to, I like taking care of people with whether that's as an artist or just as a human being. Right. So. I, you know, I, I I used that time to to discover other parts of myself, and um, just really kind of strengthened my my grit as a human being. And going to try, you know, I was never a good student in high school. The fact that I thought I could go to college and you know take classes like that, I, I managed to pass them, and that, that was a cool time. But I think ultimately it led me back down a path of. All right. Well, I can accomplish this. Like, I know I can get these guys back together, and we can do something with this. Mm-hmm. So, how much did pushing yourself and going a little bit outside the musical box? How much of that were you able to take back when you're writing now? Because I can tell these songs, they've definitely got a lot more to them in all aspects. But more anatomy, more physiology. Yeah. 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 True. Yeah. They're a little, a little bit more. Uh, thought out and constructed and intentional yeah, very you know, intentional but visceral you know yeah. like these we, we, we felt these songs like we we were talking about this the other day too the way we named the songs even comes from just purely the experience of how it made us feel and we used two words just a couple syllables to describe the way that it made us feel like rhino beach for instance right <laughs> just stampeding rhinos on a beautiful atmospheric beach with the sunset and you can kind of just like feel it and visualize it as, as, as you say the name right and then we googled yeah. it and the rhino beach really exists it's, it's a, a place yeah. in Australia so we beach have Australia. to go play a show there oh for sure yeah, yeah. so sick I don't, I don't know if it's in like a huge part of Australia or, but it would be cool maybe or if there's actually rhinos Australia is our number one streaming hub is that right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Sydney, Melbourne are top two always. So Australia's got to come out for Serena Beach Show. That's why. We got we to make that happen. <laughs> sure. So when you're first writing these songs, it's just the four of you, right? You haven't added the keyboard Correct, correct, yes. How long did you do that for? How long did you write before you... Did you write all the material sans keyboard? Um, we, we, I think we had shells for all the songs, but a lot of the uh, pre-pro had keyboard MIDI parts in them that you were playing yeah that okay. we were just like writing um, yeah. like plastic horrors um, Jake embellished all, a, lot, like, a lot of that stuff and like he's a real classical pianist he's got a great background you know he's able to do it more justice than any of us um, possibly could but the uh, initial ideas were sort of there um, when we got together and we started rehearsing with, with Jake um, we, we brought him in and we were able to we we hit a bit of a stale period before Jake came into the mix, where like we were like trying to like write the songs and try. Well, we were trying to finish the songs. You know, we had we had we had these shells, but we'd always toyed with like, oh, you know, we could get you know, a second guitar player. Mm-hmm. Let's get a keyboard player. Like we, we we want these parts in the sound. We 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 love prog metal. We we, we love bands like Dream Theater, Vola, Lowe's, all you know, bands who are introducing this back into the sound like. We're really, really happy with the decision that we made with bringing him into the project. So, is that how it came to pass? You knew these songs had more that they could be added to them, and, and another person was Absolutely. the answer. Absolutely. Uh, during COVID, yeah. there was a bunch of uh, promotions on like the Sonokinetic, uh, like Native Instruments Sonokinetic libraries. Mm-hmm. They're like usually like a thousand dollars, but I was able to get them for pretty cheap. These are full, like um, full spectrum orchestral production tools Mm. they're all like you know like rented mental for instance you hear the uh not that i want to admit this of course i'd like to admit that it's a real harpist and they're really orchestral bells and stuff but they are but they uh, but um the we're able to use all sorts of um composition tools to make all this stuff happen and like and like the fact that we were like digging into all this stuff like in pre-pro like we need to have this element right like we need like we need the keys on stage yeah. Like we need someone doing this. Like, yeah, like I see, dude, there is so many bands that have MIDI and have keyboard and have sense that don't, you can just hear 
playing through the speakers. Yeah, such a bummer. It's a bummer. Yeah, yeah. Like, so that was one of the things I wanted to ask you a little bit later on, but we'll get here since we're here right now. Uh-huh. How are you going to handle this live? Are you going to uh, have the keyboard parts all played in real time? Will there be some backing tracks? Will you play to a click? How are you going to navigate it? Pretty much that, yeah. Play to a click. There's going to be some stuff in the monitors in terms of like backing tracks and everything, but like... Like like like, uh, like subs, like bass drops. Yeah, bass yeah, drops. Yeah. Like Plastic like, Horse has like... <clears throat> Stuff well. that's yeah, not yeah, played yeah. as it were. Yeah, for exactly, sure, for sure. Exactly. But I mean, Jake's gonna be playing all the synth parts, all the yeah, key, yeah. all the key parts, and everything. For sure. Um, it's yeah. I mean, we're gonna so be playing, we're gonna play our instruments. Uh, he's. I met Jake just before I started dating my now wife. Okay, they both came into the, my life around the same time. <laughs> so they both came into my life at a really good time. Yeah. We're like we're like really solid human beings. who are entering my life. And uh, yeah, it, he um, he was one of my my groomsmen in, at, at my wedding. Awesome. And uh, we, I think that was a really great experience for all of us. Like you know, just seeing how we all mesh together as as people. And um, yeah, it was just like and Jake and I had been writing music together for a while outside of Fiends. Like you know, I, I've always been involved in production, and um, Jake and I had always been toying around with like Daft Punk type of inspired like pendulum, like drum and bass, like house music type stuff. And we, we, we always worked really well together. And I said, you know, let's put this stuff on hold and, like, this joint fiends. Yeah. He yeah, seems yeah. like it's bringing a lot to the party. It's, yeah, yeah. yeah. It almost seems to me like he was always there, and sure. now he's just there. Yeah. Dude, real talk. So kind of jumping back to the whole writing process. For the first record we did, Me Time, like, it seemed like we just wrote it and we were like, that's it. That's it. Like, those are the songs. We didn't really sit with them. And for Insolent Noise, the new record, we really sat with the tunes for a long time. And we were like, let's be as intentional as possible with every part, every riff. Like, we were all together writing everything. We were like, that riff sounds good. Or, like, try that riff. You know, we were all hands on deck. For and it threw some away. And so threw, talk yeah. to me about what that process is like now for you with a different <laughs> member. And now you can bring in these atmospherics. And, and the other thing, too, is your vocal duties have developed quite a lot, it seems. Yeah. How do you make the decision... Which part's going to be keyboards and atmospheric? Which part's going to be something that you can be featured on vocally and where Garrett's going to come in and kick some teeth? You know, because it seems to me like you could, if someone didn't have a, like you said, a deliberate intent on this, you could interchange those parts. It would get hard to manage all the different hats. And you seem to do a really good job at managing all the different hats you guys collectively bring to Fiends. And I'm wondering what that decision-making process is like. We all click really, really well for together, sure. and usually it's pretty unanimous. We if trust each other. We trust each other, and we're all on the same page for the most part. If somebody plays something, we're all just like, "Yeah, that was sick." Nothing is ever like for me or you know for for Brandon. Like it's 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 for the song. Mm-hmm. We, we can all come to a unanimous decision. There's a unspoken language and something that we all yeah. share together. Where we just we know we know what 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 fiends is, what fiends should sound like, you know. Like there are decisions that are made just based on like the way that we foresee it. it, it it's it's an it's an intuitive writing. I was literally about to yeah, say yeah. very. It's intuitive, all. It's, I think that our writing is truly just um, like we 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 see it. We 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 think it like insolent noise was the name of the album before we even finished it. You know, it, it was we 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 saw the way that it looked. We felt the way that we wanted it to feel. You know, we 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 dealt with all of those things before we even you know. Uh, put down the, the brush and, you know, and, and called it a day. Right. Um, so I do think that there is an, and, and we all respect each other as peers and we, and we want everyone to have their moments where they come forward and we, and we, and we want the moments where we all come back and, and, and we stand, you know, together. And all that stands in the context of feeding fiends as the bigger whole. For sure. So the decision-making process is is hierarchy is more rooted in what's good for the song first. Yeah. And everybody sees it that way. We yeah, absolutely. It's for the most part. I mean, it's yeah, for sure, for sure. And I mean, even some things that you know have been subtracted, like since going into the studio, like ideas that we had that we thought we were going to work, but then we got in the studio and we're like, yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Like, there's no no one felt bad about any of that stuff. You know, like as a vocalist and also someone who plays bass, um, taking more of a vocal responsibility on this record, I I subtracted from my bass parts because I'm like I, I want to be able to play these parts and sing these parts live. Not you know I'm not trying to be doing anything gimmicky. 
it can be easy to feel that way when you're writing music with people, especially as a bass player. You know, mm-hmm. oh, like I need to turn this part up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Guilty. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I've actually turned into that guy at the show where I'm like, that bass is way too loud. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, that's way yeah, too loud. It takes a minute yeah, yeah, yeah. to graduate to that I'm like, that's stage. Yeah, 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 it does. Yeah, it, does, it, does. it really does. So that was one thing I actually wanted to ask you about, too, because I noticed there's a lot of, of course, odd rhythms and syncopated rhythms where you've got nice whole note drags and melody runs over the top of it. How long did it take you, or were you able to, sooner than later, navigate playing those lines and singing those different rhythms? Uh, I, I, I sing, I practice singing and playing instruments, period. Like, a lot. Never I, independently of one another? Um, I, I, I play guitar and sing all the time. I, 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 I play guitar just as much as I play bass these days. And I play, I, I, I use my fingers for the most part, you know, so... Like turning my right hand into like a percussive rhythmic vessel um, is a muscle memory that I've started. I've really started to, to develop over the past uh, five, five, six, seven, eight years. Or now, um, always looked up to guys like Getty Lee and, and Sting and guys who just do it so well. Yes, um, great examples for sure. Yeah, like both those guys, like they have a separation. I think that I. I, I when I practice insulin noise for tour, I, 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 I do practice the bass parts independently because those parts have to be muscle memory. They have to be built in. Because when we're talking about the, you know, the 13-8 in, in, in Rhino Beach, um, the 11-8, the all of those parts where we, where we mess around and we get into different time signatures, like, like, I just have to turn my whole body into the rhythm. Like I, I, I have to move. I have to feel it, and 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 create a physical separation from what I'm doing with my voice. Um, and also, the vocal parts are written in a way that they're not too polyrhythmic of each other. They're sort of more symbiotic of each other. That like they just work together. You know, um, Terra Protector is probably the hardest one for me, um, just because that. Bass part and then that that like main riff is so polyrhythmic, so, it's so syncopated. Right. The, way, the way that it sits on the drum beat right there and then like the, <coughs> the, 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 the beat like that. That's a tough one, but uh, it's really fun to nail it. So, how conscious are you in the writing process of saying to yourself, "I want to be able to do this live. This is not just a matter of writing <laughs> it and recording it." It's, a, it's extremely important. A hundred percent. I'm a firm believer that if you can't play it in person, you can't play it live. Don't play it on the record. It's got to be human, man. Yeah. You know, that's a de- that's a that's a different approach now. Yeah, yeah for we'll sure. Come, now, we're full circle coming back to that, I guess. Yeah, I, th- I think I hope so. And having a real human play keyboard helps that. Mm-hmm. Yes, helps sell that. Yes, for sure. It's yes. extremely important as a singer too. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I there's been a, over the past five years or so there's been this thing going on in like post hardcore, like um, like come, mm, what do you want to call it? modern metal ish. Where these, Active metal. Yeah, where these singers yeah. are singing and screaming in this range where I, I, I go to see them play it live and their voices are gone by the day oh, that I yeah, see them play yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. What? So, like, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't name drop any of those bands. I think, yeah. I think it's rude. Yeah. But uh, it's always something that I'm looking at. It's, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that, like, it's got to be really stressful as a singer going out on the road and like writing these parts that you can nail a couple times in the studio, but then you go out on the road and it's just impossible. Yeah, it's freakish. You know, it doesn't have to be like virtu- virtuosic or a, a virtuosic. Yeah. Um, it's you know it has to be what's right for the song. You know, just uh, just singing a note up because you think it's more impressive doesn't mean it's better. So this serving the song mentality overarchs everything. Yeah, we like uh, insulin. I didn't take any vocal rest. On, and there was no days off for insulin noise. For and most everything you hear on the record is first take. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The vocals sound great. The production yeah. sounds great. Talk to me a little bit about that the, because the the recording process was a little bit different from your last go around, right? Completely. Yeah, different. very different. We got to. T- I mean, more or less, got to take our time. I mean, like for drums, it was a full. 10-hour day. Every, but how did you do day. it? Were, was it acoustic kit and triggers or electric kit? And how, what was the what was your process? Well, okay. Pre-production. We started by recording all the guitars ourselves. Oh, yeah. Word. Yeah, we recorded all the, all the keyboards, all the guitars, all the bass. 
and we had a MIDI drum track. Okay. All the MIDI drums. A MIDI drums tracked, and we... Uh, that you played, or you just had stuff in there as placeholders? Programmed it as placeholders. Gotcha. And then, yeah, but they were written like in mind with what we had. Yeah, like, yeah. They, 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 were, they, they were supposed to serve as a mirror copy of what we had practiced and rehearsed. Okay, cool. You know, they weren't just, like, selfish. Like, there's all these memes going around about, like, when the guitar player writes the drum parts, and I yeah. send them to Brandon. <laughs> I send them to Brandon all the time. But, like, me up. But when I, when I track the MIDI for the drums, it's Brandon playing them. You know okay. what I mean? Because otherwise, like, I don't. I, otherwise, what good is recording guitars parts to it? Yeah, right. That's, that's know, where I'm going with this. Because the guitars and the bass that. were all written. Were, they were all recorded. The finals were recorded before we went, we went uh, track the drums. Yeah. So when he went to the studio and started playing the drums, like the, the final guitars, the final basses, pretty much all the final MIDI and all the keyboard stuff was already written. Mm-hmm. Recorded. If you listen to the yeah. pre-pro demos of Insulin Noise before we went into the studio, it's still pretty much the same. Just with MIDI drums. Just with MIDI drums. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you retract the vocals, though. We didn't no, track you, vocals at all. I, I, I for the demos, no. There no, for the demos, oh, okay. no. We used the demos as a way to, uh, to like make sure that we could practice them and be ready to go into the studio. Yeah. Studio is literally just like drums and vocals. Drums and vocals, that was it. And then um, like reamping. Some, uh, we recorded a keyboard solo for Teleprompter Dreams. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was just so sick. Which was be- And then Plastic Horses recorded the, the synth. No, we did that one. We did that. Uh, we did that one uh, in the in the in the home studio. Yes, but yeah, we but we don't. But like, I don't want to discount the fact that we still spent two full weeks in the studio with Austin. Right. Because like, yeah. we spent a full, full a full, full week on drums. Yeah. We spent a full week on vocals. Like literally, put ten, the time and the money days. where it counts. I was gonna say you yeah, afforded yeah, yeah. yourself the chance to do yeah, that. It's like, yeah, it's like it's like Alex and I are, are guitar players, and we both we both engineer and produce on the same software so we like we were just consistently like mapping things creating the pre-production tracks and making sure they're perfect and that the guitars recording guitars and recording bass in the studio is just a waste of time if you know how to do it yourself i mean like the with, like the, these days if you're going to spend money on like having somebody else quantize it for you <laughs> yeah. like, like, like seriously i spent Hours, days, weeks on that stuff. Nitpicking, and bro. I was able to do that for, and it was, and it's on my time. Yeah, no. you know what I mean? Because the, the record would have cost two, three times as much. Can't even imagine. Well, and, and it would have taken another month to sit in there and. Well, it just all depends on what you're trying to do, as well. Yeah. Well, like, one I, thing you know you're trying to do is get your record out. So, and I know a lot of people sure. get mired in that, and then they lose their momentum. That you guys clearly did not lose. So, what was the what was the timeline like between when you get these songs written and when you start recording? Was when you got them written? It's like, well, we got we 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 started getting the songs back. I mean, in comparison to how long it's been since we started getting everything together for the release package. Dude, the, the the songs we've had for a long time. We went into the studio last year, literally last August. In August, oh, okay, August of twenty twenty two, the album was recorded and finished. Yeah, okay, so we've been had them. The, the album releases September first, twenty twenty three. So that's over a year um, since we've you know recorded it. We've had we, we sat on the masters for a while. Um, we didn't want to rush it out because we, we wanted to get good content for it, we and we wanted to be able to afford good content for it. Yeah, you know you don't. Go and spend thousands of dollars on recording an album, and then just drop it. You're right. You can't you know, make like, all that. Yeah, effort. yeah. Well, because we needed, like, we've built a brand that's re- that that is reliant on good artwork. We, we want, you know, like we we want the the, the best artist to do it, who's Amber Amber Cross, uh, Blue Bug Design, a uh, Blue Bug Design. That's that's who does and has been doing all of um, Fiend's artwork, and we wanted a lot of artwork. You know, so we have to be respectful of, of, of their time as artists, too. Right. Um, music videos. Joey Durango. We wanted to make sure that we had his cinematic qualities. He, yeah. brings, he brings a lot to the table. Yeah, so let's actually shift gears right there real quick. Uh, Joey is great. Shout out Joey. His videos have always been awesome. Yeah. And actually, you guys were the ones that got me introduced to him. Talk to me about this last video, because that seemed like a real step up. Plastic Horse? Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, and I totally agree. Because we recorded Terrapidic during Plastic Horse in the same weekend. You did? Yeah, yeah. Back to back. Back to back. Yeah. Two, days, two, days two days apart. apart. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And we went down to Miami. Miami. I said Miami. Miami. Yeah. Uh, went down to Miami. We stayed at the Spring Hill Suites, which we always stay at Spring Hill Suites. Shout out Spring Hill Suites, Marriott. We, we them bomb, bomb boy boys. Uh, they got the free coffee in the lobby. It's just great. Extra fresh towels. And dude, they got the... 
nicest sweets for the boys. The sweetest sweets. It's just the sweetest sweets. So yeah, we're at the Spring Hill Suites. Um, yeah, we check in, and the next day we wake up, we go to the house that we recorded Plastic Horse at, and it's this old historic home. Oh, so cool. It's mansion. Really fancy. And, really, uh, I'm just like really kept. Yeah. Really unique inside. Yeah. All the furniture and all the paintings on the wall just fit, fit the vibe for, yeah. for Plastic Horse. Beautiful. Very elegant. Yeah, so, it's a great video. Yeah, that was a roll day um, because we <clears throat> ended up filming a lot of Plastic Horse in Venice, which I'll get to. The next day, we filmed Terror Protector in a film studio. Who had there was a bunch of different sets. Super cool that we were able to like utilize all their lights, all the different like soundstage type you know um, pieces. So yeah, that was that was, that was really cool. But um, Plastic Horse, we felt needed more, um, more more footage than just what we had gotten in the house. So uh, over the next couple of weeks, we went down to um, down by Casperson uh, Beach. Mm-hmm. I guess it's down by like Sharkies in Venice. I know it's down by Sharkies. You kind of drive past south of Sharkies and then you get to it. It's a sort of, it reminds me of like South Lido. You know how it's just like a dead end beach? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's super cool. Nice. Um, In terms of like the videos themselves, we curated outfits. Like Wardrobe was very intentional. We wanted it to, we wanted the vibe of the video to match the vibe of the song. Shout out Express. Shout out Express (laughs) for real. Yeah. So Express had like, it's interesting because like, they just so happened to have all the stuff in like in the, on the sale rack in so the like, same day. <laughs> like we hit it once, and we were like, "This is perfect. We got everything we needed." Yeah, yeah, nice. for sure. It was so dope. Um, I, I, I guess it's all stuff that like people. It was all stuff that we wanted for our videos that maybe people don't wear on a regular basis. Right. It's like kind of because like, like the stuff kind of looks period almost. Yeah. Like the stuff that we're wearing in the video looks like I don't know, like Gatsby type era. Just, yeah, it's got a vibe. Yeah, top yeah, to yeah. Bottom. Cool. That was the goal was to literally just have everything be its own. Independent it exists story. in the fiends verse. Yeah, yeah. Just cl- you know, the fiends gentleman video. Yeah, yeah. What what is the what is now the 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 nucleus as it were of the fiends verse? Because I see I see bits of where you guys could come from, and uh-huh. I see bits of where you're trying to show everybody where you want to go and where you're going. What what is the the vibe? You know, it, it's. Like I said when we when I first introduced you, you're, you're fantastically heavy and beautifully brutal. What, yeah. What what's the line like? What's the nucleus like? It's everything, bro, and it's constantly changing. It is it's, it's exactly what we are and what we're trying to express at the time. Whether that be super swag, if we want to do oversized shirts, if we want to wear studded up overalls. I mean, like the whole black thing in a metal band is been done. And I think it's it's nice. It's very professional and everything. But like, <laughs> just we just name up in that right now. There's nothing. This is my life. There's nothing yeah. wrong. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just like we want to be as expressive as we are as people, um, and we want that to resonate with. Yeah, you guys are not. And, and I don't mean this as a, as a negative to anybody else, but you're not exactly your garden variety metal guys. Yeah. No. Yeah. So what? How is it that you're? going to get that across to people even though you have all the familiarity of progressive metal that everyone loves for lack of a better term I, yeah I think we're kind of in a great area Yeah, and I was talking because we're going crazy trying to just like keep our schedule full and like book all these shows and like we when we like when we we find ourselves like every band that if we're on the bill it ends up being a mixed genre show always immediately always yeah if it was a deathcore show and then Phoenix comes on now it's a mixed genre show <laughs> do, you, do you know what I mean yeah yeah definitely because it's like one hundred percent know that one uh but we're cool with it I mean I think that some, there are other bands out there who have kind of they haven't they've made their I guess walls. They've knocked them all down, and they just exist in all the like in this weird area where the audience tends to sway melodic and some sometimes, and then they sway. It's like Warped Tour kids, you know. How, like you go to Warped Tour, and you're like, I'm really. I mean, I'm really excited to see this death metal band, but I'm also really excited to see this pop punk band. Right. It's like we were those kids, you yeah. know. Like we were those kids. Um. So yeah, we, I, like our band became a vessel for all of that. Yeah, just try not to fit the mold, you know, just do what we want to do, basically. So then the vibe is to try to uh, 
more or less represent limitless expression, sure. limitless freedom as but people, instead of having to be like, we're guys dressed in black. Yes, well we, said. I just yeah. wanted to go see Between the Buried and Me with Thank You Scientists and Rivers of Nile. Yeah. So Rivers of Nile, super like heavy band, but also has some crossover. Thank You Scientists, proggy, pretty clean, not super metal. Between the Buried and Me, kind of a little bit of both of those things. Uh, definitely a super inspiring band for, for me and for some of the other guys in the band too. Um, always like dug the fact that they never gave themselves any wall, um, walls and boundaries to play yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like they want to write a rock song. I mean, it's about storytelling. Or write, dude. And I think progressive yeah. metal is all about that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, mm-hmm. if you like, you can label a band progressive just because you can't put them in any other genre. All of a sudden, they're progressive because they they're rock one minute. They're they're like they are like mathy and proggy at some points, and they're writing things in different time signatures. But then they're also like kind of genty, kind of like groove metal, kind of all these things. It's because it's the way that we tell our story, tell our stories. Right. We, we love movies. We love films. We, we, we love like having like this like audio visual representation in our own heads when we're writing music. And it's like, mm-hmm. this part is like, this is like the battle part. Yeah. It's yeah, gotta yeah. feel like doom, you know, like, like terror protector. Like that, like that part is like, we're, we're emulating like our, our inner Meshuggah during those parts, you know, like, like, uh, and then when we get to the chorus, like those major nine chords, that's Getty Lee. Yes. You know, like, I, you like, can hear that influence. Not necessarily Getty Lee, but that more 70s prog the yeah, voices. Yeah, like, like the voices, like the chord phrasings, all yeah. those things. And then the part that comes after, the, the waiting to die part, is like volumes or, or, or periphery or like some of these more modern, like genty bands. And then we change, and then we change the lens again. Because I mean that, that that song is the story is from feeling so horrible about something, and just putting all of your anger and all of your hate into something, and then everything just drops, and you're just sur- you have to surrender to to the sadness and to like the pain that you've created for yourself, and that part t- totally you, like the the narrator decides not to be sad or or angry anymore, but to use it as a um, as a reflective point and to never um, go back down that path of self deprecation. You know, like the like the song transcends. It's angry. It's 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 it's, it's violent. It's just like it's a, and then you get to the section where everything drops and it's cleansing, and we kind of like channel like maybe our like inner circus of Ive, like more like prog rock, um, Seosin, like all those like po- like kind of like post hardcore like um, proggy sort of bands, Closure in Moscow, um, between the buried and me. Yeah, I was really picking up on some yeah, of that. And yeah, digging it. Then we come back to the part where we build it back up again, and uh, again trying to like maybe channel- channeling a little bit of that like inner rush influence again, and then that 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 pick up at the end where we where we give you the chorus, but we we bump up the BPM a little bit, and uh, Brandon starts to um, to pick it up on the drums, and uh, we really send that song home. That song was cool because uh, I think it's part of the reason we chose that one as the first single. Because it it just it, it was a really good storytelling song, and more or less like an embodiment of everything on the record. Everything that was about to come. Yeah, yeah, it kicks the door in pretty good. Yeah, yeah, all in one song basically. Because you can't really you can't really like pin that as a certain genre in itself. That that, that song. Right, and you, no one's gonna say it, it sounds like a this instantly. People say it sounds like Michael Jackson. Good, yeah, which was yeah, great. Yeah, 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 straight out the gate. Which was great. That's um, like, perfect. Yeah. Because yeah. that's yeah, like. I, I, I hear that. I feel that. Grew up with all like listening to all that stuff as a vocalist. Justin Timberlake, Michael Jackson, the the more like like swagger R and B type vocal styles. I love that stuff. Okay, there was one song I wanted to ask you about on the record, but since you mentioned that, I want to talk to you about this cover song. Is the cover song coming out? Cover song. The cover song that was in the folder of music you gave me. It's uh, I, it's like a. Is it a Sam Smith song? Or oh, it's like, yeah, God. that's never coming out. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know why that was in it, the folder. Sorry. I got to tell you, the vocals on that are killer. Oh, uh, yeah, thank you. Recorded, yeah, recorded it's that incredibly like. authentic and genuine, so it doesn't sound like you were trying to take the piss out of it. It, it really sounded like you did a good job. Yeah, like it was a, sort of an experiment that we did. Yeah. Um, and we, we like it, but we just don't want to be that. No, I didn't know why. I mean, I, yeah, I was yeah. like, I, I mean, don't in know this sense, going to be a fancy like, thing or what. But what else, what I, else was in that folder? Just the, <laughs> okay. nothing, just I don't think record. we ever want to do covers <laughs> yeah, like, 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 at, at all. We think that that's sort of become like an Instagram, TikTok band thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for and sure. And it's just yeah. like not, 
really what we're we, kind of, we want to be like we want to be perceived as like old school artists we want you to feel the way that you felt when you held Avenged Sevenfold self-titled album yes. you have it in your hand and yes. you're just like this took time right you know what I mean yeah like this is the love in this I can feel this I, I feel immersed in it I can see it I can feel it mm. you know well, like, the composition reek of that this is me this was written for me you know that's how I felt when I was listening to like me, me, like Linkin Park Hybrid Theory like story of the year like like all that stuff like felt like it was written for like it's so personal so much time put into it that it just felt like it was yours you couldn't imagine that anybody else was listening to it it felt like it was yours I feel that way about all the music that I like grew up listening to it doesn't you know, like you, before YouTube yeah. you know you, when you were watching like music videos on Yahoo Music you didn't see how many views it had you didn't see how many likes it had yeah it was just like there for you right you could like, I, I like there wasn't like this visible social networking going on so it's like if you liked this band, like you didn't know necessarily yours. who your people were unless you were like band. out there with them. Yeah, yeah that's we an see, interesting way to couch it. That's that's that is a dramatic shift. We see it on an everyday basis now, and it's like, oh, this guy's a metal guy. This guy's a so and so guy. You know, you can like you can kind of like read people a, a little a little bit differently now, just because like we're taught to pr- present ourselves that way now. We have the, the, these easily accessible profiles that people can go on and see exactly who you are, who, how you want to present yourself, the bands you listen to, who you follow, what you like, what you don't like. Yeah, right. And I feel like something about like growing up with like music, like when the internet was getting started but not quite developed to the degree that it was, because mm-hmm. I'm 28, we're, we're, 20, we're 28, um, I feel like things were changing when we were growing up. I had a CD player, <laughs> you know, like, when, when I was a kid, like, you know, I... I what was the I, I didn't have cassette tapes, but I had a CD player. Went to went to Fye and bought CDs. What was I, the first CD you bought? First CD I bought, I, I'm I'd have to think. Mine but the was first, Bobby Brown, Bobby. So it can't be worse than that. Dang! All right. First CD I ever owned was Dookie Green Day. Dookie, uh, Dookie for sure. That's yeah, yeah. Dookie, Dookie Green Day, and I, that, that, that I think the album changed me forever. <sighs> I think like between like Billy Joe's voice and like Mike Durant's like bass parts, like just made me want to play music forever and also like around that same time uh, I had like one of my neighbors was like pretty goth like wore like tri- <laughs> the trip pants and like yeah. he was in like fifth grade but like it was super goth and like loved hybrid theory nice. and like so like, I was able to like really like get into Linkin Park too and I remember just like jamming crawling as a kid like when so like it was like this weird blend of Linkin Park and Green Day for me that's awesome that's yeah. a hell of a crossroads. But it was definitely, like, I mean, both bands in their primes. I mean... Yeah. I mean, you can't discount, like, American Idiot. Like, like a Green Day, like, definitely, like, hit, uh, you know, hit a lot of highs. But I when I can always go back to Basket Case and, like, jam all that stuff. I mean, I can hear, like, Duff McKagan, like, Guns N' Roses' influence on that album. Just, like, the way that the bass, like, sits in the, in the, in the track. Yeah. I've always thought, like, that's so Duff. Like, those bass parts. And what about I, you? You remember what your first CD I'm was? I'm trying to, dude, the first CD I... you know I was going to put you on? You did, I was thinking about it. <laughs> it <was> like, <laughs> first CD I bought, I don't think I really bought music for a while, because my neighbor... Or the first the first record you remember playing the hell out of? <sighs> Some 41. Yeah. That's just so wow. infected. That yeah. was the first, because my buddy burned it on a cassette tape. He burned it on like a little boombox he had. He burned it on a little cassette tape, and he gave it to me. I would listen to it every freaking night. Um, and then... Like Blink One Eighty Two came along and all that stuff, and I was like, "This is sick." But Sum Forty One was like the first thing where I was like, "I feel the edginess. I feel like that. It's giving me that thing." Greatest hits, greatest hits. Blink One Eighty Two. Not now. Not now for sure. That was later. That was later on. But yeah, not now is a a good song. Um, Okay, so that was the stuff that got you guys jumping off. That makes good sense. Yeah. What what is it you said? You know, film influences you, and I know I'm sure you've drawn influences from all over the place, especially with all the art you're both doing. Yeah. Um, What What was some of the big stuff? Movies, TV shows, bands you were listening to as you were writing. What was What was some of your inspiration fuel back a year ago? The Lighthouse. The Lighthouse. (laughs) What's that? Uh, The Lighthouse. Robert Pattinson, Willem Dafoe. Yeah, I don't know that one. It's an Dude, A24 fl- film. I had to turn it off. Literally, like near the end, I had to like shut it off. It's a yeah. Uh, you got to check it out. All like right. uh, Rhino, Rhino Beach was inspired by that film. Cool. Uh-huh. Um, Rhino Beach was also. Mm, oh yes, there's two references of film in Rhino Beach. Barton Fink. I the, love by, that movie. By, that the, by, by the Coen Brothers, and I think a lot of people would mistake what I'm saying in the chorus. It's a uh, go tear apart the sky beyond the life of mind. 
Uh, it's not beyond the life of mine. I mean, it's fine. I think it's great that you can misinterpret it to that. <laughs> yeah. Because it works either way. Right. Yeah. But it beyond the life of mind, I will show you the life of the mind. Yeah. John uh, John Goodman going down the hall. And I'm, I, I'm watching Gemstones right now. The one that uh, one of his his shows that he's in. Oh, cool! It's a really good show. But uh, yeah, so like Rhino Beach has like pretty like direct uh, influence from The Lighthouse and Barton Fink, two films that I really love. Me too. I love Barton Fink. That's a that's a classic. Coen Brothers in general. Yeah. Fargo. Same. All all, all those movies just like the um, are super inspiring. The Northman. Have you seen that? I have not. Uh, at one point in the movie, he says, "Like, how can I be set free when I've like come to know so much pain? Like, how can I ever be set free? Even like when I, when my whole life, all I've known is pain and anger, and like that that was inspiring for for like terror protector, like pain making me stay, eating my mind, stuck here in this place, waiting to die. Um, but it directly correlates to." Um, Transcender, a song that's not out yet, um, because I I I, I do re- re- reference a little bit of inspiration from from The Northman. It was a really inspiring film. Well, Transcender was actually the song I wanted to ask you about. Okay. Because of all of them, that's the one that I feel is a really different face for you guys, and that chorusy bit where it gets yeah. a little bit more accessible for lack of a better term yeah is freaking incredibly powerful cool fuck yeah so take me through a little bit when you're writing that one and recording that one because it had to feel a little different didn't it yeah that song's really interesting because i feel like it's like our heaviest and our most melodic song yeah i i as a listener i would agree with that and that's part of the reason why it really sucked me in because it was getting yeah it was getting all it was tickling all of my spots that's all i mean so that's another one, man. The first intro riff, the chuggy chuggy, we've had that one in the bag for years. And we're like, where's this going to go? What are we going to do? We jammed on it one day. And I think we wrote that song in like 15 minutes. It just it just came out. Alex, James, and I, Howard. It comes in like off the one. Like it doesn't come in on like the one, two, three, four, one. Like it doesn't come in like that, which like was really, it was like an experiment at first. Yeah. Like that main riff. Because mm-hmm. we one, two, three, four. One, two, three, three. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's that after. Weird, yeah. Because that's one of the stronger riffs on the whole record. The, chain, the yeah, chainsaw yeah. riff? Yeah. yeah. The one, the opening riff in that song. Oh, yeah. we, see, when we were choosing the singles for this, we definitely, like, had, we, we've, we can, it was really hard choosing the singles. Like we, like we said earlier, we always agree on the songwriting, but when it came to the singles, we were not, we, we didn't have. <laughs> it was impossible. It was impossible to choose yeah. the singles. Brandon and, and Garrett were like so team transcender. I feel like for, for the yeah, 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 yeah. It, it almost seemed now looking back now I'm gonna be like slapping myself for like, like you know, when this comes out and people are like really digging transcender. It's gonna be it's gonna be like yeah. the top dog. But I feel like if we were to have released it as a single, it would have been like too much, too quick. It, like, it, too much, too quick. But also like it makes too much sense as a single. Yeah, for sure. It would have been like okay, that's obviously the one that they chose. Yeah, you know, you know what well I mean? that chorus bit, and it's funny you should say that you have a Lincoln Park influence. I wouldn't have necessarily guessed that, but that's the part that almost smacks of that to me. That the verse, the chorus, no, that chorus, the chorus bit. itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. dang, it, it gets bigger. It's more inviting. It's got that, yeah. you know, like you were saying before, that message that you might not necessarily even know what it is you're saying, but you're somehow finding yourself immediately relating to. Super this. relatable. Yeah. Transcender comes at a point like in, after the halfway point of the album where the album starts to become more positive. If you listen to the song, if you listen to the album from start to finish, the track listing is really cool. It, the the the, uh, the message, the overall message of the album, like you can hear the narrator's like healing process. Um, it starts very self-deprecating, very dark, very hateful, very um, like like you know maybe potentially like seeking vengeance. What's the opening cut? Um, Rabbit Boy is the first one on the album, which is kind of like a title song for the record. Okay. But the album really starts with Teleprompter Dreams. Okay. So that's interesting because track one and track nine are like opening credits and ending credits. Okay. The meat and potatoes is all track two through eight because it starts with Teleprompter Dreams. Uh, uh, it, the narrator starts guiding you. On this on this journey you're about to come in, come 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 with me. We're gonna like it's it's uh take the ticket. Yeah, yeah, take, take the, the ticket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, we like we delve through like some disgusting subject matter, like things that are like very personal to us. 
Mm. that we've kind of decided that we don't really want to like dig into what the song is really specifically about because I right. think it makes them less accessible. Right. Yeah. I, I want those parts to be left up to left up to interpretation. Big time. Especially songs like Terror Projector. But um, it transcends the album. It takes you from a very like like a horrible place to starting to say like this is not doing me any good. You know, like I'm not healing. I'm not better for feeling this way. So there's there's a choice that is made um, somewhere between tracks five and six, kind of around like the Rhino Beach time. Like when, when once you hear Rhino Beach open up, you know the album's about to change. It's like A and B on the record. Like we wrote the record like A and B side. Yeah, nice. Happy like like happy side, angry side. Um, we start to become like more existential and like more at peace and more accepting of, of of who we are as human beings and our place not only as like individuals but just like a part of the human race. And you can just see like the perspective shrink from like so small and like intentionally egotistical and and, and spiteful to just like total ego death and like freedom. And that's actually yeah. it's very good that you said that because that was one thing I wanted to ask you about ego death specifically because you have that one line where it very prominently comes out and says let the ego die yeah yeah here it's but there's no mistake in that one yeah yeah this is a theme that's come up in I find a lot of music and a lot of art and people's general discussion with one another and it's become one of these things how has becoming conscious of what your egos and people humanity's ego in general plays a role in your creative creativity have has mm. you to the point where you can decide that this is a theme you need to explore why do you think it is that this has become so prominent and is a kink in so many slinkies it kind of brought us back together in the first place i think yeah you got to lose yourself you got to surrender yourself to find the true self man i think like like failure uh, can really spark uh, a path of ego death, you know, learning from from your mistakes, for sure. How much better do you think this process was for you than the last go round with having that? <laughs> much much healthier, head? dude. So much healthier. I remember pre-proing me time like with a bottle of tequila next to me. Yeah, we we're in the studio getting drunk, like yeah, yeah. Just not. It wasn't professional. It wasn't intentional. I mean, it was to a certain degree. We but cared about it a lot. I mean, well, we, yeah. we recorded Me Time twice. No, I yeah. know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dumped the first one because we didn't like it. Yeah. But, uh, so we, we cared about it, but we were, like, I, I, I feel like not ready to take the journey that we were. I mean, we had a pretty overwhelming success when that album started dropping, Me Time. Yeah, I remember 700 Club blew up pretty big and yeah. keep me in the dark is even bigger. And then immediately we're and freaked I, out. I, I felt like we knew that like this was going to be on, on a path of self-destruction if we hadn't put it on a halt. Right. Well, that's smart. That's yeah, good for us. We're so glad that we did. We weren't ready. So glad. Because it was yeah, yeah. immediately we're going not down stopping that now. path of self-destruction. You know, like, we're not going to stop now. Like that's, that's, that's the difference. I mean, we like... We took the time apart to, you know, go on our own journeys and, and figure out what we really wanted to do. Yeah. So do you think that some of this ego death, for lack of a better term, is what made it easier to have this song first mentality when you're making the decisions like when you're gonna sing versus oh, when Garrett's gonna sing. A million percent. When there's gonna be keys taking the melody versus Alex or it's guitar. Like, you, it's like we're all just happy to be a part of it. Yeah. I just wanna create. Like we were saying earlier, man, we all share the same energy where it's just like, it's so symbiotic. We're all putting forth this effort, an extension of ourselves into this greater thing that's greater than all of us, you know? That's such a that's such a good place to be at. It seems like as a band, that's a mega healthy place to be at. What is, what is that saying? Like the equal parts are greater? Greater than the sum of your parts. That's literally what it is, yeah. Yeah, that's one of my hugest mantras when I'm producing too. And, so true. And some of the greatest records, I mean, um, I'd like to ask you guys real quick about, you know, some more of your, of the older influences, like you said, Rush, but, uh, you know, I think when you talk to me about your writing process and your recording process, Faith No More comes to mind because they were a band that would explore one another's ideas and try one another's ideas and you must be doing that. I mean, there has to be a time when you're like, you know, I'm going to put a big vocal here and maybe Garrett wants to do his part or someone wants to do something else. But yeah, you, yeah. you got to be able to to draw on making that decision. And I think that's a very curious thing. This is the heavy part. Yeah. This is the Garrett part. 
Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. There is a lot of trial. I mean, trial and error. Trial for sure, where it's like, let's try this part out. Or like, you have this riff, let's try that riff. And if, if it sucks, we'll feel it immediately. Or if it's sick, we'll work on it. Like, there's a lot of like... But the overarching theme is... We'll try it. We'll play it. hundred percent. There's never. There's never like a nah. That sucks. We're not even going to bother trying it. We always give it a shot. That's so important. Yeah. I was going to say. I think so that's I, huge for bands to hear. Okay. Cool. We'll try it. We'll give it a shot. Yeah. Yeah. Let's check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent to every to every idea. We we give it a shot. You because know. you know a lot of young bands who to kind of drag back into this again, still in their ego modes. Yeah. When dude. you're writing. You end up getting married to your part. You end up not wanting to explore something because it might compromise what you thought and this and that. So I think it's really good for people to hear that, you know, that change has been so beneficial to you guys. And when they hear the record, it's going to be plain as day. Cool. So talk to me a little bit about what's next. I know we got some shows. You got new material that you're going to work on for another record already? Or are we just shifting gears into live? We're grinding on the live runs right now. We're doing a couple of shows coming up soon. Um, we're just going to be pretty steady focused on that for the next probably yeah, I think by, handful by, of months. By the time this airs, we'll have been back. We'll be from, just back. We'll be just back from tour, but on tour, we're hitting Orlando, Bradenton, Jacksonville, Charleston, Charlotte, and Atlanta. So there's a really big focus on Southeastern Reach right now. Focusing, you know, everything within yeah. our reach. Right. So you guys do have a, a more of an old school mentality about this. A million percent, bro. I mean, we're so, we're so plagued with... Uh, the trillions of different options to message people and post and everything. And it's so oversaturated that nobody really pays attention to it. And that brings us back to the old school mentality of putting your feet down on the street and walking around and handing out flyers and meeting people and yeah, making friends. Like crazy. Bro, we're hitting every, sh- we're talking to people, you know, we're bringing it back to the root of human connection. Two weeks ago, Brandon and I went to the Tampa two days in a row because Under Oath was playing with the ghost inside. Nice. Uh, two shows we uh, just hit the lines, talk to people, up, up make and friends. Up, yeah, up and down the line to make friends and get hand out some flyers. That's awesome. Show, no, nobody was like, "Hey, man, get away from me." Yeah, no. Like, it, people are, you know, it's 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 uncomfortable to go and solicit people who don't necessarily want to talk to you. But everyone was super kind and respectful, and we ended up getting a lot of good work done too. A lot so, of people were on their phones just chilling. Like, we're just trying to find our people. Well, I guess to, yeah. to sort of answer some of my question, what sets you apart, that's one of the things. Yeah, bro, for sure, for sure. It's important. That's how you get work done. We work, and then we work more. Yeah, just keep yeah. grinding, keep grinding, man. I mean, and old school mentality. somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Yeah, stay, yeah. we stay up pretty late doing, like, every night. Yeah. Either communicating or talking about the next move, doing something, you know, because there's always a game plan, there's always something you could be doing to make it better, to make it bigger. So, I mean, outside of all the, uh, the, the, the groundwork that we do, we definitely spend a lot of time with the uh, tools of social media right M- mainly Instagram I would say that's probably the, like the, the best one TikTok's decent um, Facebook it's alright um, <laughs> so how do you yeah. find yeah. what, what I, this is a question I like to ask people you're, you're talented musicians you're talented composers you can all do your thing well and we know that but what have you gotten good at that you didn't think you were going to have to get good at talking to people dude I was talking about this last night to a friend, like maybe two years ago, I know I would have never had the courage to go up to a random group of strangers and like be myself. Yeah. Yeah. It's taken me, taken me a couple of years of work to do, man. But now I'm finally at that point where I'm so freaking comfortable. Well, my you skin. seem like a seasoned vet. I pre- I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate that. But yeah. That's a new, that's a new skill. And for you got to sure. handle most of the, you take the spearhead most of the social media and that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah. I've gotten, I've learned a lot, a lot about marketing. And we've been following um, a model. Uh, think of the acronym for it: um, visibility, connections, offers. It's a VCO marketing tool uh, model. Make yourself visible. Connect with your audience. Offer them something like music, right? Or show. And it's uh, it's so simple. And was this part of the strategy? Because you did you've done three singles or four singles leading up to the record. Four now. Four singles. Four singles now. Yeah, it's a singles-driven market now. Every time you yeah. every, every time you drop a single, you have an opportunity to play list pitch it. Right. If you drop an album, you can only pitch, pitch one. So, anyone in, in bands that's about to release music, treat it like the rap game. The yeah, rappers drop one single at a time. That's why they pop off. They don't drop a full album, and it's like chances are a lot of these albums are full, chocked full of singles. You want to make sure that they get as much. Uh, yeah. As much attention as possible 
So we stretched our release out to five months. Nine songs, four singles, five songs more when you get the record. How hard is that? Do you have any like uh, cognitive dissonance with that when you when you did put together a whole piece of art that is meant to be heard all nine songs at once? You know, yeah. track, track one and nine are. <laughs> That's why relative. the singles were hard to choose. Right. So, do, do you feel like this? cannibalizes the experience when they get the other five or do you feel that it's just a necessary evil and whatever it causes who gives a shit it's been, it's been uh, both unfortunately fiend, 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 for the fiend season is longer because of it right so like we like we have like it's like one single uh, and then four weeks of you know promoting it the first two weeks might be um pushing some reels or you know videos youtube videos um and then the ne- and then the next two weeks leading up to the next one is is starting to get the ball rolling for the next one. So like, there's song content, song content, song content, song. You know, it just stretches out the uh, the amount of um, time and the amount of eyes that we can get on it, the amount of ears we can get to consumption, it. Oh you know? yeah, from a branding and visibility standpoint, it's a no-brainer, which is yeah. why it's become so ubiquitous. I just wonder how you feel when you have to take off your marketer hat a little bit and put on your artist hat and know that someone's going to see half your movie before they see the whole movie. Oh, that's just part of the game. You it know? doesn't, it, you never get any odd that's feeling about that. That's probably why we settled on the four singles that we did. Yeah, yeah, I mean... Because they don't tell too much of the story? Or, or you need the rest of the story to put them in context? It's like, kind of both, kind of both. Well, it's like Terror Predictor, like, angry and pretty. Rhino Beach... Huge and melodic, rented mental, angry, plastic horse, beautiful. You know, and there's yeah, yeah. all more it's of that so on the record, yang, so. right? Yeah, yeah, but there's so much like, there's so many condiments in between all those things. You go to get an ice cream cone, right? You got 26 flavors in front of you. You see five that you really, really want. You're not going to get five scoops of ice cream. You're going to sample all of them. Yeah, and then you're going to go, oh, okay, I want that's six weird off the wall one. Like, I think. It's not, it's not like outdated the outdated mentality of like doing the couple singles first or like oh they're dropping a, they're dropping a record like you don't even get a single I think that's that's kind of crazy like you need the samples you need to have the you know half exposed um, what did you call it you said, a couple minutes ago you said like a teaser basically it's I think it's necessary to like have the preview the preview yeah but yeah. see the, and this, this is what I'm curious about because uh, you guys are have a, a great insight on this I feel uh, you know back in the day 90s back in the day <clears throat> uh, you always released a full album yeah. and if you had one lead single that was standard if you had two lead singles then you knew they were really trying to hype this record dang up. yeah but nowadays having like you guys do we have up to four or five even lead singles before a record drops depending on what the length of the record is is not at all uncommon i'm just wondering what that feels like since you can't you almost can't just put out one single if you put out one it might as well be four you know what i mean because one isn't going to do what now four does for you like you said extending your season getting your extra attention so so true I, yeah I, like I, the ep is the new single you gotta yeah. have four or five songs right which is crazy so then let me ask you this as we we're talking about back in the day what day of the week are you going to release your album on <laughs> i think it should it's be a friday should be a friday right that's yeah. how it always well, should be well that's right? this is one of those things yeah Some, it, it's become friday yeah but uh-huh. for literally 50 years it was tuesday Oh yeah, playlists uh, update on Fridays. That's the yeah, yeah. gimmick. Oh, the, the editorials all update on Fridays, and it's. I mean, Spotify has sort of monopolized the way that things, which is, I love Spotify. I've been using Spotify for a long time. Yeah, me too. I, you know, like when it was before it was available in the U.S., you had to get a like set up a IP address in the UK if you wanted to download the uh, like the beta for it. But like even then it still had everything on it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but uh yeah, Spotify has definitely changed the way that people consume music. People's attention span is like way shorter for it's insane. But also it gives audiophiles and people who really love music the opportunity to like really discover and like just dig and sometimes I just do that. I'll just like sit down and be like now it's my music discovering time. My music listening time is just so satisfying to sit there and just scroll mm-hmm. through everything. But like, agreed. Yeah, that's eighty five percent of music consumption is Spotify. 
15% is everything else. Apple Music, Deezer, Amazon, everything. So that, I mean, it sort of has started to dictate the way that people do things. Um, people want to get their monthly listeners up on there. You know, people want to make sure that, you know, like things like Release Radar, Discover Weekly, all those are algorithmic playlists. So you have to, just like with any social media algorithms, uh, have consistency in posting. So like putting out a single a month is like shows consistency. Brings a, and it brings it gives it a chance for people from different audi- audience groups. Also, another part of what we chose the singles for was like, do these which part of our fiends audience does this song serve? You know, uh, which part of our audience is going to like this one, or do we think is going to like this one? Um, we're talking to a, a good friend Johnny Crowder from the band Prison, and he said it's never the song you think. Yeah. I mean, it's so true. It's so yeah. true. So true. It's so true. It's crazy. But still, in that in that process, we wanted to do the best we could to pick the songs that we thought were going to reach different parts of our audience. So in 2023 and beyond, the idea of just dropping a full length album with even a single preceding it is just no. Depending on the level uh, where you are at your band, I mean, if you're way up there, you can do that and get you can do whatever saying, you want. I'm, I'm yeah. saying, let's just say for your next record, oh, dude, yeah, that, 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 it'll that be, wouldn't even be suicide. On the table. It'll suicide. It'll yeah. probably be the same thing. Yeah, it'll probably be four singles and nine songs again. Yeah, that's we that's, like nine songs. We think it's very ACDC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, yeah, we just think it's like perfect. It's an odd number, which is really nice. It's a good number of songs. Yeah, three, yeah. three, and three. It's like three groups. It's like you know, the beginning, middle, and the end. Yeah. You know, it just feels like a really nice. I know some of our songs are six, six, seven minutes long. You know, so they do seem to be a bit more concise since the last album. Yes, shorter. Yeah. Yes, for sure. The longest song is six minutes, and it's a uh, with a minute and a half long. Minute even and a half. Yeah, even if not in length, it seems that the the cohesion is way more obvious. Just dialed in. We figured out what we needed, what we don't need. You know. In terms of like musical structure, like song structure goes. We were like writing parts back in the day, and now we write. But now the focus was like really overall song. Yeah, like composing the song instead of just you know, the this riff. part is the blast beat part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's the part that, as the listener, it kind of strikes me too, because like you do have parts when it kicks in with the regular blast beat, and it's like, sure. you know, is it, it really just has to be the mantra that we have no genre? Yeah, like we write what we thought, what we. Feel is really really cool. Yeah, we write what we like. It's pretty much it. Just staying true to our um, we, artistic we, we, integrity. Really, we had a couple weeks where we played with uh, Attila, mm-hmm. we played with Traders, and then we played with Bill Murray. Um, so that's that was a that that is a large range, like different shows back to back, like pretty close within the, within each other. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, like we were talking about earlier with like. If you put Fiends on the bill, it's a multi-genre show. We don't want to be like, oh, Fiends is the deathcore show. We don't want to be like in that. Like, don't put me in a box, bro. No, Fiends is an, ex- you know? is an experience. We want to be able to play with, like, we want to be able to tour with Meshuggah. We want to be able to tour with Spirit Box. We want yeah, to be yeah. able to, we don't want sure. to be able to, like, just throw on a really good show and cater to anybody that likes music. You know, right. not just a metalhead, not just somebody that likes If you check out our like, playlist, Fiends Roots on Spotify, it has bands like snarky puppy it's got like Devin Townsend yeah. it's got Deftones Alien Ant Farm Alien Ant Farm on there Mars Volta like all of the, all of those I can hear in your music even yeah. when you don't sound like them yeah. that's sick that's cool like Delau's in a comatorium Mars oh, Volta Dude. like one of my all time favorite albums forget yeah. about it yeah yeah. And, I, and I got that one in a display case at home yeah, sick. yeah. <laughs> it's like one of one of the best albums of all time yeah mm-hmm. and it's funny because like I feel like that's the, that album must be connected to the universal consciousness because I put it on, <laughs> and then like, and then like a couple True. hours later, Brandon like posted that he was listening <laughs> dude, to it. Every time. I feel like that's yeah, it's very very. It's a plugged in album. Oh my yeah, god, dude, that album! If you start magic. listening to it, you're gonna start seeing it everywhere. I'm serious. Yeah. If you, I'll, if you, I'll run the you have to run the, run, play the album from top to bottom, and then just like look around. I've been in a weird Mars Volta phase lately. Dude, you're gonna Let's like, go. Say that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. If you start listening to it again, everyone's gonna start listening to it again. I'm on oh, it. I'm so in. Funny. I'm in. I'm it totally is, in. It is. It's, it is. That album is freaking magic. It, ex- it exists in one of the unseen dimensions that Einstein was talking about. It's part of the. It's uh, part of that record. Yes, dude. There is. Yes. A, there is a universal string of consciousness that it's is connected with that album. That album and like maybe like. 
couple. I mean, Science Incubus. Yeah, love that record too. That song does things weird to the uh, to like the to the world to the that dimensions. Was, that was a golden era. That's a whole different discussion we could have for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So then the ultimate goal for you guys is to just try to get on some more shows. The next year you're going to be more focused on touring and staying behind this record and not pushing out new shit right away. Yeah, but we'll absolutely get there. Like when, when, when Recording music it takes a lot of time and a lot of money, so when we have the time and the money to do it, we'll do it. And you're writing consistently anyways? Yeah. yeah. Just we, we, out of the nature. We probably already have half of the ideas for the next album done. Pretty much. Yeah. We don't stop. But we get inspired, we sit, we do it, we exactly. write. The inspiration will come. When it comes, we'll write when it's supposed to happen. Well, yeah. it definitely sounds like you translated this inspiration lately into some really empowering songs. Thank so, you. So I'm super impressed by it. I'm super happy for you guys. I cannot wait to see you live. I'm I'm gonna be right then and there. You gotta look at my face. Heck yeah. So let's go. And I'll go ahead, go no, ahead. No, yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say, um, by the time this comes out we will have a show booked that we haven't announced yet. We're not announcing it right now because, well, when you're watching this, it, <laughs> it, it will be, be announced. It'll be, It'll be announced. But today, talking about it, we haven't announced it yet because we have this tour coming up. Right. But we are going to be playing a big festival in St. Pete. Sweet. On Friday the 13th in October. Oh, well. And there's I'll a lot of great too. bands on this. It's going to be so sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. going to be dope. Cool. Well, gentlemen, congratulations on everything. I'm so stoked you were here. I appreciate you making the time talking about your past, talking about the record a little bit. I can't wait for what's coming next, and I can't wait to have you back. I know it'll happen. Thank you so much. Thanks, brother. Love you guys. Love you too, man. Boom.